Podcast with Aaron Cowk. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data languages. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cowk with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Boy, the overreactions are immense. Season's over in Dallas. Quit playing the games. I'm ready for Trey Lance. Let's skip right over Cooper Rush. We know what he is. Let's get some Trey Lance out there. Really get to see what we got. And because it's clear Dak Prescott is done. Dallas Cowboys are done. I'll tell you what. Sometimes, maybe it's just the other team is really damn good. And right now, the San Francisco 49ers are certainly that. Man, can they play. Brock Purdy. The new Tom Brady. Incredible win last night. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the NFL. That game, Major League Baseball playoffs into the uh, division series. Your Rangers have they already have they already decided what the parade route is down there? That's a good question. They might as well start if they haven't. I mean, it's the Texas Rangers. That's a pretty big state. It might take a while. Rangers just bludgeoning everybody. The Orioles got a couple of them. NLDS Game 2's today. Boy, was that not sad on Saturday night to see the end of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, you know it's October baseball in Dodgerland when Kershaw's doing that. Five runs without getting an out. Man, that's that's one of those things that you'll never be able to figure out, as good as he's been, why that happens. The Braves shut out for the first time all year, and it's inside their own stadium. National League's crazy. American League, Rangers are killing it, and then we got a series in the other one with the Twins winning last night. Obviously, college football will hit what happened down in Dallas with the Sooners defeating the Texas Longhorns 34-30. How did that happen? How good is OU? I don't think that's any – I don't, I don't I don't know that anybody has ever really thought about that until right now because everything was waiting on that game, right? nationally even right here in this state how good are they is this is this really like a playoff type team is it more of a be in the big 12 title type team talk about that oklahoma state one of the more shocking wins i can remember nobody was giving them a chance Hmm. on friday night but what happened exactly what we said on friday something good had to happen early and it did and that kind of you could see that everybody started to believe on the team, in the stands, maybe even the guys on the headset decided, you know what, we might be able to win this game. Now, is this the, is this a season turnaround, or is this just like one of those stopgap wins? What was more egregious mess up so far? The three quarterbacks or not letting Ollie Gordon just be the running back? But the Pokes looked very, very good on Friday night. Uh, high school football from the weekend as well. We'll hit 4A1. Class A District 1, B1, and then also a couple of games around the, the state in 4A that were kind of 
a little bit eye-opening uh, for me, the way they played out especially. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things, whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, stay in touch with the show a couple of ways. Log on to kadsam.com, or you can download the app. The app's got it all. Radio, Penny News, Big Elk and Paragon TV, and, of course, the podcast, Skinny on Sports Podcast, you can find anywhere where new podcasts are. Hi, Jared. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. I bet you are. Okay, you probably can't think of a more perfect weekend I can. of sports. Now, wait a minute. Thursday, Elk City winning. Friday, Clinton winning. Saturday, the Sooners beating Texas. Plus, Saturday, Sunday, the Rangers. I mean, you gotta, you can't win them all, Jared. I was hoping to wake up to see that USC had blew that game. I they couldn't. Tried. I couldn't stay up for it. I I had to go to. But I went to sleep. It was seventeen to seven, and I thought, well, do I want to? St- I was just too dang tired because my kid had her birthday party on Saturday night, and it, it, we it, that's exhausting. So woke up and saw that they won in triple overtime, and they tried every way to lose it. It looked like yeah, there was. I mean, the, we'll, that would have we'll been the there. icing on the cake. We will get there. It'll happen sooner or later. Maybe this week. You know, Notre Dame. Well, they out, didn't look too. Yeah, ran out of gas. I mean, gosh yeah. dang, three straight now going to be four straight top fifteen matchups or what? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's, that's yes. a load. Yep. On a team like that, especially with the first two being as dramatic as they were, probably should have seen that coming. Honestly, uh, you know, just where you you run out of gas, especially on the road. But that won't be the case this week with that game at home. All right, let's go back to uh, – we talked about Elk City and Cash Friday. Then Friday night, Clinton shuts out Weatherford 17 to nothing. What an amazing turnaround here in the last few weeks for Clinton on the defensive side. I mean, that was the you – know, when you think back to, to the first couple of weeks, McGinnis, uh, Heritage Hall, the big issues it felt like Clinton was having was all on the defensive side. And now all of a sudden – seems like they've got those shirt up. That game, you see the 17 nothing score, you think uh, it, it was so reminiscent of what we saw a week ago, a, w- a week before that. You know, Weatherford mm-hmm. would get it down there uh, yeah, more, and could yeah. not score like, three times, and they could not get it in just exactly the way that the Big Elk and Clinton game went. It got to that point, and I, was, I had it on, and it got to that point where I was – Seeing, you know, Weatherford was driving. They got in the red zone, and I thought, "Watch this! They're not going to be able to put it in." And, and you almost expected it mm-hmm. about the second or third time, like you mentioned. Yeah, the defense kind of bend, don't break, and a lot of pride over there. And um, I think got down to the point like, "Okay, we're going to win now. Let's hold. It. Let's shut them out." Right. You know, they, there's a little bit more. But the way that game started, they took the opening drive or opening kickoff and just drove all, all the way down and scored. And I thought, "Okay, Clinton offense might be here to play today." And and then they got the other score. I think it was on a defensive, yeah. like a fumbled jet sweep or something like that in the end zone. And Clinton jumped on it, got a field goal to go through, and that was it. That's all they needed. The defense carried them on Friday night. Pretty impressive. Yeah, neither team had uh, had 200 yards of offense. Clinton ran for 177. It was a fast game, too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, we were getting ready for my kids' party, so I had it on, and we are just listening to music. And I was just kind of glancing over, what's the score? What's the score? And then I realized – they're in the fourth quarter. I'm looking down my watch. It's barely nine o'clock. They're going to be done here pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> they were. Now, it, it, yeah, 125 yards uh, for Weatherford, 
177 yards for Clinton, but the the main stat, two of them. One, Weatherford 0 for 3 in the red zone, and the other, Clinton forced four turnovers and did not turn it over themselves. I mean, that's that's a recipe to win that game, uh, obviously. So, in the 4A1 race, it, it's it's not technically over, but, man, it's really hard to find a way that Clinton isn't going to win 4A1. Games left on their schedule, at least within the district, home against Chickasha, then they finish with at Cash and at Woodward. It's just, it, it, And with the two wins that they just earned back-to-back weeks over their fellow, fellow I-40 uh, schools, that means every tiebreak is in their pocket. There can't there can't be a a three way tie anymore. I guess, I guess I guess there could be with Chickasha and Elk City now, where everybody beats everybody. That'd mean the Big Elks have to win Thursday and then Chickasha upset Clinton. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And maybe I guess a Cash would be that way as well. But man, it, it just it, what a turnaround. And I, and I think when you you listen to Coach Higby after the games or even talking to Dennis the other day. A big part of that was moving Rhodes and Sully back in the back end of that defense to the safety, getting those older guys with more experience on that back end, kind of as the the last line of defense. Because if you watch that Heritage Hall game, they were just running up and down the field, and there was there wasn't as much resistance as there needed to be, you know, to keep those home run hitting plays from happening. And here's the thing: if you can't hit home runs against Clinton, it's hard to just plot down the field because of how physical they are up front exactly exactly uh this week i'm just looking at the rest of their schedule like you said they need to play guyman this week it's not on guyman it's yeah out non-district game because of the seven team district chickasha at cash at woodward those all look very winnable at this point for clinton yeah and and here's the thing they just they, they they can they really have a mulligan in their back pocket if the game, if the other games go how you think they will, because whoever wins, you know, if if either Elk City or Weatherford end up with only one loss in the district, it doesn't matter. Tiebreak goes to Clinton. So it it's really it's really hard to to find a scenario in my mind at least where Clinton isn't the district champ, and now you got to figure out okay who who ends up where with the, with the rest of the district. But a huge win for Clinton. And Coach Higby and those guys, they just, uh, yeah, the last two weeks, thirty-eight to seven, combined over the two guys, over the other two teams that everyone felt would be right there in the race with them. So, uh, coming up this week, the Big Oaks. And what's still scary, just final thought on Clinton, is the offense. Again, seventeen points this week, twenty-one, just twenty. You know, I say just. It, it still feels like if their offense gets clicking, gets humming, like it. Like it's always capable of doing. It's a dangerous team, with coupled with the fact that they're playing really good defense. Interested to see when or let's think about this four a two. I mean, could they have Bethany come into town? And so that was like. a really barn burner of a game last year. I mean, anything four a two coming anywhere that that's a that's a tough district in its own right. So I'm interested to see what how the playoff matchings happen and how those match up you know you would think eventually because like even even on friday night 0 for 2 through the air you would think eventually they would have to make a play or two as the playoffs move along through the air to be able to to get all the way to the end 
But yeah. heck, maybe not. They're, we've seen it before. But but you would think it, they would have to do something, make a play through the air at some point, in a, you know, in a close game or in a big spot to keep the ball or whatever it is. Um, but so far, so good uh, for the Red Tornadoes. Now everybody else is going to try to figure out how how to, A, make the playoffs, and B, fight for that second spot. That way, the, at least the first game is at home in the playoffs coming up here in a few weeks. Um, Class A, Merritt Oilers just dominated Burns Flat Deal City for their first district win. So the Oilers now kind of behind the pack. There's a huge tie, a four-way tie for second behind Fairview. So Fairview's 3-0. and Hooker, Texoma, Thomas, Moreland are all 2-1. and Merritt's already lost to Moreland and Texoma. So if you start thinking about tie breaks down the line, uh, obviously the Thomas game, the Hooker game, are going to be the most important. Uh, Got to take care of the battle uh, for Beckham County this week over in Sayre. Take care of that one. Then those then those next two games, you've got a chance to to be able to win one. If you win both of them, you're probably almost guaranteed to be in the playoffs because of the way the tie breaks go. But uh, that's a Merritt's Merritt had to do what they they did what they had to do beating Burns Flat Deal City. Now you got to take care of Sayre and then get ready and try to upset uh, one of those last two teams in Hooker or Thomas. Yeah, unfortunately, you got to go to Thomas. Fairview's a tough ask. So in bringing Hooker to merit there's your opportunity but it, it all doesn't matter you got to win at Sarah if you're merit you got to win at Sarah on what they play Thursday looks like Thursday yeah. night yeah yeah that is the uh, which I mean hey uh, maybe their offense woke up scoring 57 points that's that's hard to do even with a really good offense does it make sense you know you're battling the clock and everything that's that's a great great win for them that's we've said that Last week, kind of the same scenario of Oak City. It's almost a a season-defining game that they had to have to keep their district hopes alive, keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, that was big for them. Way to come out and respond, Merritt. Hollis finally into district play. Uh, they defeated by Laverne on Friday, 52-6. to Now you play Beaver thir- at Beaver on Thursday. That's a game that they're going to have to have. And then figure out a way to either beat Balco, Shadow, Shattuck, or Turpin. <laughs> it's it's pretty similar to to a to a one in that you know it feels like there's teams at the bottom. Beaver being one of those, being the bottom team in B one, win that game and then find a way to beat somebody in the in the uh, one of the other top five teams. Beat one of them. And now you've got that you've got you've got the tiebreak to to be able to make it into the playoffs. And so very similar to last year in B one where there was five teams for four spots uh, with Hollis being able to be one of those four, one of those four teams last year. We'll see if they can end up doing it this year again. But, uh, yeah, tough. Laverne's good. Uh, and then you got Shattuck and Turpin, both undefeated. Uh, Turpin did get a district win over Beaver. Shattuck still hadn't played a district game just yet. Uh, actually, yeah, they did. They played Balco Forgan this week. No score on that one yet. We can find that on uh, the app, I'm sure. But good stuff in high school football. It's you know, the weather's finally turning a little bit chilly when you wake up, and that means it's uh, getting closer and closer to when those games really matter and the playoff time. I mentioned a couple of games at 4A1 that raised my eyebrows. Um, not that Blanchard beat Tuttle, beat him 20-6. to Did you see how they did it? Like six interceptions? They did not score a touchdown offensively. Yeah. All, all three scores were defensive touchdowns all in the second half. That's nuts. And then, surprised by that score in District 3, 
Wagner 15, Cushing 14. Wow. No, I mean, I just now saw that. No, I'm not surprised. I, I think there's a culture there at Cushing where they, they it's not so much uh, uh, rebuild, it's reload kind of culture. But they had to replace a lot. But clearly, I don't think they're just gonna. They didn't have a huge drop off as far as talent was concerned. So, not not too not too surprised, not too surprised. And then <clears throat> one other score. We've been kind of watching District Four a little bit with Ada and Poto at the top of it. If you just go by the transitive property, looks like Poto was the far superior. Ada beat Hilldale a week ago seven nothing. Poto beat Hilldale fifty six to nothing. So we'll get that one at the what week nine, I think, is uh, Poto yeah. hosting Ada. That'll be the, the decider in, in District 4. Now, District 3. No, it does give you a question, though, with, and, and you, you know, you compare scores and all that stuff, but, or look at margin of victories. But it does, it does kind of close the gap between Poto and Wagner, I think, as far as the, the discussion of who's the best team in 4A. Yeah, maybe what, so. Isn't that fair to say? I mean, well, just what about what they're doing, and and then Wagner struggling there with Cushing, uh, a, t- a team that I don't know the I don't th- know the the preseason hype for them. But what about McLean, Tulsa McLean in four A three? They were the they were the team that wasn't able to play a home game last year because of the the shootings and stuff, mm. and now here they are three and zero. With uh, the next two weeks, will tell the tale of them hosting Cushing and then going to Wagner after that. Uh, but I think that's fairly interesting yeah. to see them. Up there, at I five mean, their and one, one loss is to a pretty dang good Booker T. Booker T. team out of six A now. I think they're six A two. Yeah, it's not a bad loss on their schedule, and all pretty dominant wins. Here's what's crazy: we're used to Booker T. being really, really good. Mm-hmm. That's the only game they've won. Really? It's against Tulsa McLean. <laughs> yeah. Well, is this their first year in six A two? Maybe they're having. Nah, I think they've been there a couple of times. They're having some problems adjusting. That's pretty wild to see, though, one in five. They're just ready for basketball season. They're always good in basketball. They're normally good in everything. Yeah. Uh, so that's the uh, high school football wrap-up from Friday night. Take a break. We'll come back. A wild, wild finish in the Cotton Bowl. Were you, like, physically tired at the end of that game? I was physically tired after the first quarter, Aaron. <laughs> and it was, like, it was like halfway through the first quarter. I look at Possum, I'm like... It's still halfway through the first quarter. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Let's take a look at the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em leaderboard. I have climbed all the way back to 500 after just a horrendous start. Back to 500. Still way behind, but 7, 7, and 6 the last three weeks. So that's uh, getting much better after the horrid 3, 3, and 4 to begin so at the top of the leaderboard big poppy and at Suter. brandon Embry right there close or dakota is close tj is close oh horns by 49 oops not this year but still doing a pretty good job of uh, making picks oh joe ray with a nine out of ten getting up there at 10 over 500 where did you go man i dropped the 16 a four, a four out of ten week for yeah, you. Yeah, I had time. a bad week this week. Last week was great for me. This <clears> week was eh. So you're pretty far up there. Last week, let's say take a look at the bottom. Let us see who controls the bottom. How many picks should we have? Sixty. Yep. Oh, oh, 
Somebody has tied Paul. Noppy. 24 and 36. So we've got a tie at the bottom between those two. Let's see if there's somebody else there at 91st. Nope. But just behind Drew, Tony, Cousin Ray Ray. Yeah, we're getting close. It's going to be close. It's going to be a battle for the top spot, and it's going to be a battle for that bottom spot as well. We appreciate Tyler Harrison, Robbie Allen, and all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty People Before Property is their motto. 225-6271. Give them a call for all your real estate needs. All right, Jared. What a wild, wild game down in Dallas in the Red River rivalry. Um, it, it, it The first quarter had everything. You know, a lot of times it takes four quarters to get to pack in everything that the first quarter had in play. A couple of interceptions, a block punt, a fake punt. Just, it was ludicrous to start. And finally the thing kind of settled down and then there was, you know, he played football. But gosh, for that first like nine minutes, it just seemed like every single play that was ran was such a, like a momentum changer. <laughs> it was just... Uh, from a, a running back throwing a pass on fourth down for Texas for that first down, a fumble that got overturned. I mean, it was just – it was nuts in that first nine minutes. But then as the game settled down, I thought both offenses kind of figured things out, even though it it was a really weird day because both teams gave up 30. But with, with the way the offenses felt like they were going, it almost seemed like both defenses played pretty decent. It It didn't. At when they were called upon, it felt obviously the goal line stand, but there's you know Texas needed to stop and to uh, get the ball back and eventually take a lead. It, yeah, the defenses you just throw away the stats, right? Because both both offenses were humming too, but the defenses when they were called upon looked really good, and you can see why these are two of the top teams in the not only the conference but in the nation that should not have a problem with the rest of their schedule. That was an incredible game. And we're, you mentioned the first quarter stuff. Funny story. Uh, I had you know group text. Everyone has a group text, and guy said, "Hey, I've been busy. I've been a lady. I haven't watched the game." It's, this is right about the end of the first quarter. He goes, "What did I miss?" <laughs> and I can tell him, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. So, okay, you missed this. Check this. Check. And he was like, "On oh, the first quarter, yeah, it's crazy. Wild game, wild game." But um, one of my keys was the play of Dylan Gabriel, and he. He looked the part, man. I now he's thrust into the Heisman conversation, and rightfully so. He was fantastic. See, and he, he is interesting too, because until the ma- the last one seventeen, I would have told you he wasn't very good. He missed stoops early on a third down that led to the block punt instead of a mm-hmm. first down, and stoops had room to run at least out to the thirty or thirty five. Instead of that, it's a block punt touchdown. He missed stoops. On the sideline, going right to left on your TV, which that would have had to have been, what, the third quarter, on a, like a third and four, threw it behind him in the ball. It may have even been fourth down when that, on that play where it got knocked it was, away. It was fourth, it was down. fourth down. I could almost argue Stoops ran the route too deep. Yeah, but, but that, the ball that, is not where it needs to go. Yeah. He threw it into the defender instead of where it, you know. Well, he threw it kind of behind him. Yeah, and further I down the field. Stoops ran the marker. He ran like a couple yards deeper than – anyways, that's – You've got to make the throw. I, Stogner, he, he missed Stogner on a third down or a, four, a third down in the fourth quarter. They were just – it sailed – it, it felt like 
he was a little bit reverting back to, and probably just the adrenaline of the moment, right? Because mm -hmm. it, we forget, even though he's been there, he didn't play last year. And then all of a sudden, when the game mattered the most, it was just dime after dime after well, dime. Well, I think that's what impressed me the most. But you, about all those that you talked about, it didn't rattle him. He he just stayed with within himself, I guess, and looked like a veteran quarterback, especially that last drive, stepping in the pockets, uh, you know, into the pocket and finding Stoops twice on that last minute drive and. I can't explain the duck down thing at the line and come up and throw it over to Anderson. I don't know if that's a tick of his or if that was by design to get lost in the shuffle. But I thought his play – out of all that, I I think it was like throw the stats away, just like how he responded in every situation. When they needed to go down and score, when they needed a first down, you know, they got it. And, and I just – felt great for the kid because he couldn't play in the game last year and, and you know dealing with injury even at um, uh, UCF and so it's a, it's a really good story and it's a kid you really like to root for and um yeah so I, I said he was he was my key player of the game and and he was there at the end man his legs were such a big part of the man. Uh, of the, the game plan and keeping things going uh, rushes 14 times for 113 and a touchdown, threw for 285 and a touchdown, and, and no no turnovers. And that's part of the – you know, we were talking about the Oklahoma defense against the Texas offense. What's a good day? I think the three things I said was create a turnover, less than 150 yards rushing, and more than three sa or three or more sacks. And they missed that by six yards. The Sooners outgained Texas on the ground, 201 to 156. I don't think anybody in their right mind saw that coming. But not, big, not with the run. That was the the crate. I mean, Gabriel, buck uh, thirteen on the ground. I, I didn't think I saw that. I mean, you knew the running game was going to be a part of this offense, but not like over the century mark a part of it with Dylan Gabriel. I didn't see that. No, no, no. I mean, hit the forty-four yard one. Sure. That that helps boost that number up before Oklahoma missed the field goal. But still, uh, there were a couple of things. I mean, you, you mentioned answering, and it seemed like every time Oklahoma needed to score, they did. I thought down fourteen ten. Went right back and scored a touchdown to take the, the lead back at 17-14. Another thing that I, I thought we saw that we'd have never seen a year ago, when Texas is coming back down before the half, and they end up kicking the field goal at 17-17, but what happened? As that's going on, Venables calls two defensive timeouts to save time for the offense to then go back down. Should have had a touchdown if Gabriel doesn't miss that throw to Walker. You know, he's out there leaking out wide open. He's kind of rushed it and threw it too low. Mm -hmm. But that's still – those are some of those things that, that Venables was so terrible at last year. I don't think there's any way he has the presence of mind that he's in the game as a head coach, as a manager of the game, to consider that a year ago. No. I think he's so – I think a year ago he's so wrapped up in stopping Texas's offense that he does – you know, it's like it short circuits a little bit, but not this year. He's running right down. I'm, I'm thinking, what is he doing? Oh, that makes per it's it's something that we see every weekend in the NFL when teams are going to go score, go score, but you have timeouts and you have time, and it was it was brilliant and showed, on my mind, tons of growth from BV 
And then he did it again at and the end. Trust too. He and, trusted that his offense can do that. And, and you're right, he did. And he did the, it again at the end. Yeah. To, to, I mean, at the end, it's more obvious that you have to save you time. You got to do it. Yeah. But that was uh, th- that was a couple of things. One, I, I thought one of the things for Texas that really one of the biggest moments in that game was after the Sooners scored to start the third quarter to take a 27-17 lead. Then Bowen knocks it loose from Ewers right at midfield. Texas's defense three and out. I mean that that was a that was a point in that game where the horns were teetering mm-hmm. big time, and they were able to get that three and out against OU's offense that then allowed them to kind of settle back down and, and get back in the game and eventually take the lead. Uh, yeah, Sam talking about that last play, Walter Rouse blocking two dudes, <laughs> the goal line stand. I, I everyone was trying to think of it another goal line stand. I know they had one. Oklahoma had one. In that 2013 game up at Stillwater, Chuka and Dulier was a big part of that one in, in, a, in a game like that. But as far as – I mean, it's been forever since you see something like that. Well, one that mattered. Yeah. You know, we I think we've seen goal line stands when the game is out of hand and the other team is just trying to score just to put points on the board and, and for style points or whatever. But that mattered. It mattered at that time. That that I can't remember one that mattered like that. I can't. That was huge. One other thing that that I think contributed to Oklahoma winning the rushing battle, and it was something that wasn't even mentioned. You didn't even know it if you weren't just looking for this guy out on the field. But there was a point there before half or right after half. I can't remember the first time I saw him. Caden Green, true freshman, offensive lineman from up in Missouri, number 70, came in the game. And that was the point where all of a sudden you started seeing a, a few creases in the run game. Just you know what I'm saying. Just mm-hmm. in him pushing guys around, especially down on the goal line. Um, he was he was a big part of of Tawi Walker scoring both those touchdowns, kind of over him on that side. So uh, kudos to that guy. He's he's one of those high high highly recruited type guys that uh, that Oklahoma has had on the offensive line a bunch. But he, I thought. When he came in the game, the running game started to get better. And it ends up out, out rushing Texas at the end with Gabriel being a big part of that. So now question being, how good is this team? I think they're as good as they want to be. It, you know, they can't just sit back because there's going to be heavy favorites in every game left on their schedule outside the Big 12 championship game if they make it. Um, you know, how many times do you hear that that phrase of playing down to your point, opponent or looking past an opponent or something like that? Um, the defense is good. I I don't want to say great, but really, really good. A lot better, obviously, than last year. The offense, when it's clicking, it's really good. They just they they are as good as they want to be. I don't know if that makes sense, but pretty good now if you asking me how do they compare to the georgias or ohio states or michigans i don't think they're quite at that level yet but they're definitely not where they were last year so i guess i'm kind of a wait and see like let's 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 get some more you know i mean there are there are opponents on this schedule that are left that are formidable kansas is one of them um I mean, we saw what could happen in Stillwater on a good night. So, 
at Central Florida, the next one up. I mean, you never know. I mean, they've not been as great as the people thought they could be this year, but you never know with them. Um, there's one more in my mind. Well, uh, West Virginia is undefeated in the conference. What, exactly. How about at, at BYU? Just still screams trap game to me. But if OU does what they do best, and so that's what we saw on Saturday against a really good Texas team. I'm not saying – I think everyone's trying to go, oh, Texas was overrated. I don't think they were. I do not think they were. I think those were two really, really good teams that played on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. If OU plays like that against other opponents, they have a really good shot of winning out. Really good shot. So I think they're good. I think they're real good. That's my answer. Real good. Not great, though. Not at that Georgia-Michigan level just yet. What do you think? I don't think they can get – I, I mean, it's not that they can't win a game against them. But, I mean, if we're sitting here thinking, okay, is this a team that can win the national title? I don't think so. I, I don't. I just think there's that's almost too much to ask. But you know what? Everybody would have said the exact same thing 23 years ago coming out of the Cotton Bowl, even though they just destroyed Texas that year and this was a much closer game. Uh, it still took more to be able to to kind of talk yourself into that. It took going to Kansas State and winning. It took beating Nebraska on your home field back in 2000. And there's just not those games on this schedule. Like, like in my mind right now, Oklahoma, if they take care of business, the next the next test is back in Arlington against Texas. Now, Kansas, it's crazy to say, but that that at Kansas at Oklahoma State back to back weeks, that's that's not easy for everything that that, that especially everything that Bedlam game is going to mean this time. Going to be the last one in a long time. Uh, and then, of course, Kansas. We'll see about Jalen Daniels. He's still not healthy, but they just ran right over. Was it UCF that they just destroyed this week, mm-hmm. uh, even with Bean as the quarterback? So, yeah, those those are games that Oklahoma absolutely could lose going into, you know, looking, looking ahead right now. And there's always one other that you don't expect that ends up being a fight. But the, I think the one, the difference between Oklahoma now and Oklahoma has been is – a lot of times you lose those games like that because your offense isn't very good and your de- but the the defense is what carries this team in a, in a lot of ways and defense travels and so maybe that they're not as susceptible to a couple of those games that we've seen in the past because this is more of a defensive minded team we shall see but I, I think they're definitely gonna in my mind right now they're they're going to be in a, uh, Arlington. Playing for the Big 12 title, probably against Texas again. And then from there, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out as far as you know what the stakes are in that game. Is it just a Big 12 title or is it a playoff spot on the line when those two meet again? Uh, but way better, way better than I think even a lot of people's wildest imaginations. If you had Oklahoma undefeated going into that Texas game, I don't think many people thought they could win it. Like preseason, right? And so they're already way ahead of that, yeah, of any of that, with the way they perform and especially how they've done it. How shocked were you on Friday night? As Oklahoma State was just pounding K State there for a little bit, and then hold on to win twenty nine to twenty one. That, I, it's not often like where you you don't see something coming at all. 
I mean, I didn't even really believe what I was saying on Friday as far as here's how it could happen. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, words. And I'll be darned if they didn't follow that to a T. Do something good early, get the crowd in it, and next thing you know, golly, there they were. I had a feeling. Go back and listen. I had a feeling Friday night, blackout, get a sellout crowd. Almost, I mean, they're hungry for a win, depended on how they respond um, after, what, losing two in a row. So I uh, I had a feeling about it, absolutely. It kind of felt like that trap game for Kansas State coming in into that environment on a Friday night. So, and if things worked, that yeah, and it, and it worked. Howard was horrible. I thought, I, I once that high school game was over and I switched it over, just watching Will Howard just shot put the ball over the place, and I questioned why were they going for two when they were down – they cut it down to 14 or could have, could have cut it down to 14 with an extra point and they went for two. And I thought that was real too early to do that. So kind of question the call by climate on that one, but not injecting excuses. I think Oklahoma state came out, played good and deserved to win that game. I had a feeling about it, Aaron. I did. I had a feeling that every time Oklahoma state gets pushed back in a corner like this under Mike Gundy, he kind of comes out swinging and they did on Friday night. Yeah, okay, so they weren't in a corner last the week before against Iowa State after yep. losing to South Alabama. Uh, it's shocking. Uh, I mean, find one person not named Robert Allen that actually picked Oklahoma State to win this game. Now, yeah. some picked a, you know, no, oh, yeah, they can keep it close. No, yeah, I said I had a feeling, but I didn't pick them. They're going to pick that. Nobody's <laughs> picking them to beat Kansas State on Friday. But, man, they played great. Um, the defense was flying around making plays. You know, outside of the one run that Howard had there in the first half where they kind of busted uh, for that 70-yard on, on the quarterback counter or what have you, Oklahoma State's defense was fantastic, and so was Ollie Gordon. And I think when we start looking back at the end of the season, we'll see where it goes from here. But as much as the, the three-quarterback thing was a mistake or seems like a mistake now and not just picking somebody and going with them, and, and Bowman even talked about it after the game – now that he's kind of been installed as a starting quarterback, now he feels like he can be a leader. Now he feels like he can have the guys follow him. As much a mistake as that seemed like, a way more egregious one was not just putting Ollie Gordon back there and giving him the ball. You know, Scott Wright before us had the stat about double-digit carries. Ollie Gordon's never not gone from a, for 100 yards in his career at Oklahoma State if you've given the ball double-digit times. And behind that offensive line, that's an amazing stat. That's just how good that guy can be. <clears throat> and, he, and he's another guy that, you know, yeah, maybe you stop him, maybe you stop him, and the next thing you know, he's out the gate and he's making big plays. So looking back at that, I think the, the coaching staff's going to just be kind of pulling their own hair out, thinking, what were we doing right. with, uh, with, with a guy that is that talented and just not giving him the opportunities that they're finally giving him. And now he, there he is responding to that with a season high or a career high in carries and matching a career high in yards on on friday night 21 for 136 uh, is, so is this I think a, that's a big deal is this it's great to win i think if i'm an osu fan i am frustrated because of everything you just said about but not the, yet the, not yet like man why weren't we doing this why weren't we doing this earlier in the year why didn't we do this against south south alabama at home you know i mean that that game that that's the one that's just crazy. That's the anomaly of this whole thing. Was getting dominated physically by that team. 
And I don't know what what's the coach supposed to do about that if his guys don't play. But but here here's the craziness about all of this. Saturday's a huge game for Oklahoma State. If they can if they can beat Kansas, then go to West Virginia and get a win. All of a sudden, who was thrust up into that conversation about Arlington becomes the Pokes. Mm-hmm. Without having Texas on their schedule. Obviously, Bedlam's still there, but that's one of those who <laughs> crazy things can happen. And then, you know, they still got all the newbies. Every new team in the conference they still have on their schedule. So I think th- I think Saturday's fascinating to see exactly what this was. Was it just a stopgap, or was this actually turning the season around? And now is Oklahoma State going to be a, a player to try to get themselves to Arlington? I think Saturday tells us a ton about that. A ton about it, if they're able to, to figure out a way to win that game. Now, if you want to talk about – you can talk about coaching – atrocities all you want to and you want to get mad at Mike Gundy or you want to get mad at whoever that that those things pale in comparison to what we saw Saturday night out of Mario Cristobal Miami had not played well against Georgia Tech but they were going to win all they had to do was kneel it down at the Georgia Tech 25 yard line and the game is over. Take a knee, and it's done. Instead, they hand it off. Georgia Tech causes a fumble. 26 seconds later, they go 75 yards, 74 yards, whatever it was, for the game-winning touchdown. And here's what's crazy, Jared. It's not the first time Mario Cristobal has done this. In 2018, while at Oregon, he did the same thing against Stanford and eventually lost in overtime. Why won't, did, did you see the video of the Miami offensive lineman? Yeah. What the F are we doing? Yeah. I don't know how he's not fired. That is a fireable offense, what he did on Saturday. His excuses were, were just as bad, too. I think one of them was, what did he say? And someone tweeted it, so that is not a good look for if you're a recruit. When he kind of put the blame on, well, we got to hold on to the football. <laughs> like, well, maybe you should take a knee. It's easier to hold on to the football taking a knee than getting tackled and stripped. Now, if you're the quarterback, can you not call an audible there? Uh, go, that's, go, that, hey, that's, uh, guys, we're just going to take a knee here. Hey, coach is trying to – I'll run to, the laps. Don't worry yeah. about it. I'll run the, the stairs, whatever. <laughs> coach is trying to screw us here. We're not going to let him. Let's just take a knee because the game is over. I can actually do math, and I can look up and see <laughs> where the big board is below the little board. I, I, I get it. I, if As soon as we do this, that's what's going to happen, and then the little the little time won't even be on because it's off because the game is over. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I mean, it just – and for him to do it twice, he already did this once. He's already had to deal with this controversy and, and questions, and then he does it again. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. It was a ludicrous. Ludicrous is one word to use. Yeah. <laughs> Just plain stupid is the other. But that was, boy, I, I, I didn't obviously didn't see that live. I wasn't paying attention. And then went back and saw 
exactly what that was and was like, oh my goodness. I mean, they would be burning the stadium down. Yeah. That was here. Yes. Guaranteed. Uh, what else around the country? Notre Dame out of the playoff yeah. chase with the loss there at Louisville. They just, I, I just think they simply ran out of gas. The third straight primetime top 25 matchup, second straight on the road. And I just, I believe that the Ohio State and the Duke games just took it out of them. And now what do they have left coming up on Saturday for USC? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, by the way, take the over if I, <laughs> if you're a betting man. Yeah, and then is that a product of them? That's their their independence, and they they make this schedule on their own. And you got to know when you're playing, when you get when you're going to Duke, when you are going to Louisville, just so happen to be undefeated and and ranked. They they circled that on their calendar a long time ago. Heck, we did it when they came to Norman. Like we knew Notre Dame's coming to town. So I wonder if that's just a product of. Uh, how they approach their scheduling, but I mean, it just so happened that they didn't schedule Louisville thinking this is going to be a top twenty-five matchup. Well, at there, the time. it has to do with the ACC stuff. That too, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They never right. would have had this if they didn't kind of become a halfway member of the ACC. Right. Oh, yeah, and then it just so happens that Duke and Louisville are good at the same, same time. Time, yeah. So I'm sure when you when you first had two years ago or whenever that schedule was made, and you see okay, Ohio State. Oh, yeah, a couple breathers. Duke, Louisville, road games, but that would be fine. And then USC comes to town. Instead, this year, they were both undefeated when they played them and, and pretty good teams with, with pretty good quarterbacks. And Now, uh, that being said, I'm not rolling them out against USC. USC's defense is horrid, and it is in South Bend, and it is a rivalry game. So, I'm not rolling them out. But, man, you, you do got to wonder how much gas they have left in the tank after – playing three really good opponents now a fourth one it's a pretty good week for OU to have a bye week I think after the Texas win and also just to go to, to watch what's coming because you got Oregon at Washington it's a good one it's obviously the one we're talking about with uh with USC and Notre Dame Miami coming off that atrocity they they're at UNC so there's some uh, there's some very good games, and then you know some even later UCLA and Oregon State. I mean there there's there is a, this is a good weekend of college football, and probably a good time for for OU to to not have to worry about looking ahead to somebody take a week off and heal up and heal up and get there, ready for UCF. Some, there's some bangs there. They were hitting each other on Saturday, and of course OSU and OSU and Kansas. What time is that? It's a two thirty, isn't it? Two thirty. Yeah, two thirty game there as well. So good week coming up. A fun week of college football last week. All right. Yeah, as stressful as this weekend was, especially that one game, I'm glad there's a bye week for OU. And as an OU fan, I can just sit back and just watch and relax and enjoy and not yeah. stress out. Think about all the other teams around the country having to stress because they're in a tight game or whatever it yeah. is. Hanging out here on a Monday following a wild college football weekend. Question on the text line, how was Gentry Williams' injury? I, I haven't seen – anything about that i know he was up at the podium after the game in the cotton bowl uh, along with some other guys so one wouldn't think that it could have been too serious i know he's had a shoulder that uh listening to the radio broadcast a couple of weeks ago teddy layman talked about how that it was just going to be something he was going to it was going to be kind of touch and go 
with those shoulder injuries during the season, you're not able to fix them completely, and it's just going to be kind of one of those things that comes and goes, and uh, you're able to play with it, but sometimes you're not. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it sure felt like seeing him out there in front of the media at the podium probably not as major as, as what Andrew Ethany could be, and I still haven't really heard anything about that. And I wonder, with the week off, normally – uh, we get some some of that stuff coming today and for sure tomorrow with Brent Venables. But with the week off, I don't know that he'll have that weekly press conference. So we may be uh, clear to next clear to uh, next next Tuesday before we get a real update as far as what those injuries were and, and what they're going to be looking at uh, with, with Williams, with Anthony, and then, of course, Matoyer looked like he was in, in pretty bad shape getting carted off and in a boot and all that kind of stuff. So that uh, uh, probably doesn't look great. Uh, for the starting right guard there for OU. Um, another question on the text line was, who's Georgia? Georgia plays uh, Vanderbilt this week, so probably not much to worry about for the Bulldogs against the Commodores. And really, Georgia's schedule outside of the, the cocktail party with Florida and then having to go to Tennessee, the schedule is pretty simple for the Bulldogs, especially with the clout that they have probably can afford a loss and still make it into the playoff. I, I would, they're probably just fine. A, another team, though, that, that has that same clout that looked really good this weekend was Alabama. Going down to A&M, being able to get that win. I thought Jalen Milrow was as good as I've seen him be, especially in, a, in an environment like that down in Aggieland. The game could have gotten away from Alabama a couple of different times, but it didn't. And then in the second half – Milrow made some plays, and that Alabama defense was suffocating. It felt like Johnson, Max Johnson, had nowhere to go, just constantly people in his face, and, and Alabama's defense shut the door on the Aggies. So, the, you know, as, mu- as much as everybody wanted to bury Bama and they haven't looked very good in, in, after that Texas loss and some other struggles on offense, um, Bama's not going anywhere. They're still right there in the mix and who, who wouldn't, who would be just completely shocked if we get to the month of December and you've got Bama and Georgia in the in the uh, SEC title game? Bama wins it, and all of a sudden Alabama and Georgia are both in the playoff. I don't, I don't think that that's not going to shock anybody if that's uh, the way the season plays out. With what seems like a wide open year in college football, <clears throat> you know, Georgia, the two time defending champ, they hadn't looked great. Till Saturday night, and Saturday night they just whipped up on Kentucky. Is that the time? Is that kind of the the point here? Here where we start seeing Georgia become Georgia again. Carson Beck has been fantastic at quarterback. That seemed to be maybe a chance to is their is their kryptonite, maybe their Achilles heel. And Carson Beck's been really good. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, the fans that, that want to see Georgia take a big, giant dip down because Stetson Bennett isn't there anymore. I don't know if you're seeing that. You might even be seeing a guy that has more natural talent than what Bennett has. And I can tell you one other thing. The game of football is made a whole heck of a lot easier when you've got that monster number 19 on your team, and that's Brock Bowers, one of the best tight ends, uh, the best tight end in the country, and probably – one of the better ones we've seen in quite some time in college football. That dude is an absolute stud. 
and he's clearly the safety valve for Carson Beck when things aren't things are kind of breaking down around him. He just finds 19, and 19 makes a giant play <clears throat> almost each and every time he touches the football. So uh, Georgia would be just fine. Uh, I think that uh, even though they haven't been as good as people thought, I do think he's probably they're, they're probably the one that you can pencil in to a to a college football playoff bracket in in probably one of uh, Michigan or Ohio State also even though Penn State will have something to say about that down the line but then who knows out in the Pac-12 and who knows right here in the Big 12 and there's still some undefeated teams in the ACC too so there's a there's a lot uh, it's kind of a fun year in in a, in a lot of ways because there's not that dominant couple of teams it's really seems pretty wide open considering we're already through the first week of October's games it, it's still kind of hard to tell exactly what's what in college football so far and uh, there will be there will be games here coming down in the next month or so <clears throat> that will start to answer those questions the first one in the Pac-12 is coming this week with Oregon and Washington and then obviously USC having to go to Notre Dame that's uh that's that's certainly a game that that the Trojans can lose, considering all the games that they've almost lost <clears throat> against far worse opponents. Um, one would think that that Notre Dame offense, the the brute strength that they play with, would not fare well for USC's non-tackling defense. But USC still has Superman on their side, and and Kate, we've seen Caleb Williams be able to do insane things to get his teams to win not only at, at USC we saw it right here uh, when he was in Oklahoma as well so there's uh it, it's gonna take it takes a whole bunch to beat that guy he is that good uh, let's see if Notre Dame might be have that special sauce to be able to knock USC from the ranks of the unbeaten got a thunder play on, or a thunder uh preseason game tonight it's crazy to think about that we're already in the NBA Major League Baseball, Rangers up 2-0. Astros and, and Twins split 1-1. Today, the NL takes center stage with the Phillies who won game one over the Braves and Arizona won game one against the Dodgers. We'll talk tomorrow about the Dallas Cowboys embarrassment. It was horrible. There's no doubt about it. This has been the Skinny on Sports right here on the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.